You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Police Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, and they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. That moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm-hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you miseducated the whole population. Then you can make money off those people. What is the gospel? What is the pure unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by. Because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate, is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Peace and blessings, everyone. Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge, and we unapologetically discuss our worldview. I am unconditioned and unlimited. I am indivisible duality. I am your host, Emmanuel Williams. Greetings. You are listening to episode 183. This conversation is being recorded at the GMP podcast studios on East 24th and Burnside, Portland, Oregon. Today is June The 21st, 2022, the first day of summer. Just a few announcements before we get started. Um, Today is a historic day in America, bro. The median home price in America is officially $407,000. The median price of gas in America... It's twelve dollars and thirty six cents. Now I don't know what it what it is around the country, but right now in Portland, Oregon, it's about five fifty five sixty something crazy. That's too much, bro. Yeah, like I got here ten dollars worth of uh, gas gets you like you five can't feet. put ten on anything. That's that's the thing of the past, bro. Yeah, yeah. Ten ten in your tank is like all right. You can go from here to Gresham, and then you're done. Yeah, you're not coming back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's crazy. My my sister, you know, she still lives in Houston. And she was like, "Man, gas is like four fifty two. I said, "Sis, come on now. Like, we at five fifty, and that's on the low end." You know what right. I mean? So it's pretty wild. Um, but going 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 forward, moving from that ridiculous price of gas and homes, I, I will say this about homes. It's pretty wild, bro. Because I remember when I was in Houston, going to going to school. I was looking at houses out there back in the early 2000s and everything was like under two or just over two. Okay. And so if the average is four, that means out there is, is crazy. Texas used to be that place to go where it was just like, Oh, it's cheap. Yeah. It ain't cheap no more. So if it's four here, what you think it is over there? Uh, it's probably like three fifty. you know what I mean? Uh, maybe three seventy, three eighty. but the, the places in, in the country that's low is like, Minnesota, Michigan, like Iowa, like random places, but not in the middle where nobody wants. But to the be. but the it's destination cold. places like Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, like all of that is is up now. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. all right. But moving forward, let me uh, introduce my amazing guest, man. He's a man of many talents. He's a father, a author, an entrepreneur. 
an interpersonal skills coach. Make sure I say that right. Yeah. The creator of cultural emotional intelligence, the founder of Black Flame Yoga. One of my closest friends. He's back for the second time. He's back like he never left. He's back like a chiropractor on vacation. This is my guy, Emmanuel <laughs> yes, Solomon. Emmanuel, welcome back to the pod, bro. I appreciate it, bro. No doubt. I appreciate it. Can, no I, can, I, can, I, can I give you some, some oh, love, God. bro? Can we, okay. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate you, bro. For sure. For sure. Definitely. It's been a long time coming, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So much has transpired since the last time. Actually, you, you were on the show twice back in like 2017 when I started. So we did an episode on the white man's religion. Okay. Yeah. Come a long way since then. Yeah. A lot yeah. a lot has changed in our worldview yeah. since then um, as we were defending the faith, so to speak. Man. <laughs> yeah. Indoctrination and all that. Man, yes, man, sir. man. It's, it's, it's yes, crazy. Sir. We could do two hours on that topic right there alone. Um, and we also did a, a episode on communication and how, you know, smartphones and social media is changing communication. And that was... 2017 so if we listen to that that's like a time capsule bro you know so um i think those are episodes like in the 30s and the 40s if y'all want to go back in the archives and check that out you know what i mean um but yeah man i appreciate you for being here appreciate you for inviting me bro yeah no doubt no doubt bro so um let's just let's get into it i want to talk about your story your journey your worldview you know why you do what you do uh what makes you 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 know what i mean so um out of all the things that you've you've done, I want to start with your entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. And so, and so, I want you to talk about you know Emmanuel Solomon training and coaching, and specifically cultural emotional intelligence. What is it? Why did you create it? And why did you build a business around it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a heavy question, but yeah. let me let me start with the journey. Um, and you know this because we've been on the journey together. Facts, like. Uh, facts. Uh, during different times, um, I was, I mean, I, I probably, I probably done everything, you know, a little bit of everything. And so, um, what was that? Maybe eight or nine years ago, I really made this decision that I was going to start um, making. I feel like a pastor now. <laughs> I'm sweating. Like I'm <laughs> I, I started making a conscious effort that I was going to start growing intentionally. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was the time when my life was really, you know, um, broke, uh, marriage, difficulties um, at the time I was married. And I just was looking for answers. Mm -hmm. And there was this um, quote that I remember that really changed my life. It was, you don't get out out of life what you want, what you want. You get out of life who you are. Mm. And so... um, I, I realized that I had to become better if I wanted to get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started on this path of just reading books, um, listening to audios, getting around people that were more successful than myself, and um, really learning and adopting new ideas. Because I realized that the stuff that I had been taught all my life really <laughs> it didn't didn't amount to shit, right? That indoctrination <laughs> is something else. So, so I had to, I really had to unlearn a whole lot of things. And, um, in that process, I realized that I really love people, Mm. you know, I think I've always known that, but I was like, how can I create a business around that? Mm. And first it started with just connection, right? Just connecting with people. And then, um, 
I started understanding more about emotional intelligence. It was like this um, buzzword that kept going around. I was like, emotional intelligence, what does that mean? And um, I started to um, research more and more on that, on that skill of connection and relationship. And in the time for a timeline purpose, what around what time is that like? So in 20, maybe about. Man, that's that's tough. Like 2012, or maybe 2014, 2015 or something like that. Yeah, 2014, 2015 was when I, uh, if we're saying eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, eight years ago is 2014. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, somewhere 2013, then, 2014. Somewhere yeah. around then was when I really started to um, dive into that emotional intelligence piece. Mm-hmm. And then um, a few years later, uh, if, we, if we're kind of just kind of time capsuling, mm-hmm. a few years later, I started, started remembering um, all these different shootings that were happening, all mm-hmm. these. Um, all these black folks was dying and mm-hmm. um, I had to start paying attention to my people and it, it was like it's one of those things where it's like when you do something for everybody it ends up typically serving white folks <laughs> right like right like I got something in my mouth but um when you when you do something for everybody, it typically serves white folks. And then, if you if you really want to like help your people, you have to do something specific for your people. Facts. And so I was like, okay, if these if if these uh, people that I'm learning from that I'm growing from have high levels of emotional intelligence, then how come they can't connect with black and brown people? Mm. Mm-hmm. That was the question that like really made me start like thinking like. It, I'm learning from the people who are controlling and indoctrinating me mm. on relationship. <laughs> mm, like, but they can't have a relationship outside of their culture or that doesn't serve them. Right. But, but even deeper than that, it's like the relationship that they have with us is dysfunctional. Very factual. Yes. So I can take, some of what they say, but there's a huge gap in, in, in awareness that they, they either don't have or don't want to have mm-hmm. so that they can maintain their power. And they couldn't even, they couldn't acknowledge it if they wanted to. Like it's just so, it's so far outside of their realm of reality. Right. Like it's, I'm, I brought up a, a quote to, uh, to Tyler, our, our guy, T Y Tyler Monk. Um, we all went to high school together. So, um, but, and he was on the last episode, if y'all been paying attention. Um, but I brought up a quote from James Allen, As a Man Thinketh. And as dope as that book is, there's certain parts of that book where there's like this level of privilege of being able to just do what you want to do when you determine that you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then everything in society will just kind of conform to your will because you decided to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, that's that white privilege. Like, that's that white supremacy stuff where it's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want to do in a society that is tailored for you. Right. Right. But right. as for me and my house, we can't do all of that. Even if we purpose set our intentions to do this, there's still a hurdle that we have to overcome that is not addressed in some of these writings. Right. Yeah. So, so I had to, I guess, uh, for lack of, uh, of a better term, I had to extract the whiteness out of emotional intelligence mm, mm, mm. and I had to create my own. Yeah. And I was like, I noticed two gaps. Um, one, I was like, 
culture and ethnicity and race are not talked about in emotional intelligence. Facts. And I'm like, huh, why is, why is culture extracted away from relationship? <laughs> and I was like, huh, that aligns with white supremacy as well. Mm-hmm. It's the extracting of culture and then the indoctrination of a new culture, which is white culture. And, and what, so, yeah, and the default is whiteness. So it's just like, what else is there? If it's, it's just us, you know, according to them. Right. So I was like, all right, well, if this is going to be something that I'm going to like, this is going to be my baby. I have to, I have, culture needs to be infused in it. And um, we need to talk about race. We need to talk about uh, culture and ethnicity. We need to talk about white supremacy because these are all, uh, relational issues. These are not, I mean, everybody keeps talking about the system, the system. They keep thinking that, that like the system is a robot or it's institution. No, the system is white consciousness. Mm. And I was just talking about this the other day. I was like, the system is white consciousness. It's not institutions. It's not buildings. It's not, <laughs> it's not laws. It's white consciousness. And if you don't realize that you're, you're going to be um, creating solutions for a problem uh, that was 20 years ago, but white consciousness changes. And so we have to realize actually what, um, what we're up against. And so when, when people are talking about the system, it all came from a person and came from people mm-hmm. and their mind and how they think, and it will change and grow and adapt just like everything else. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do was I was like, all right, I'm going to put culture at the forefront of emotional intelligence so we can't avoid race. We can't av- avoid none of that. You're gonna, we're going to have to talk about it because that's who we are and that's a part of um, um, everyone's experience. And we're not going to whitewash it. And uh, so I created cultural emotional intelligence, which is the intersection between cultural, uh, cultural ethnicity and emotional intelligence. It's emotional intelligence from a melanated lens that doesn't cater to a white power structure. It's the way emotional intelligence should have been when it was created. Mm. So that's what I created. That's my baby. And um, we start there. And, um, man, it's just been amazing just uh, the journey of uh, constructing and deconstructing these ideas and my own ideas and infusing them into some of the good science that, that is around emotional intelligence. Some of the good science. You got, you got to say that. You got to say that because it's – a lot of a lot of the science around race and ethnicity is is terrible. Right. It's pseudoscientific and it's just white supremacy on steroids. It's white supremacy with a white coat. Yes. <laughs> with, with a lab coat and some glasses. Yes. 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 <laughs> and it's like, hey, I'm a scientist, Negro. You know? And it's just your your skull is this shape, so therefore <laughs> it's like, wait, that's not scientific. Right. You know? But um And they use it right. to, to enforce whatever um indoctrination that they want oh yeah that's a fact bro we have like we have to talk about our change well specifically you because i'm talking to you i'm interviewing you but like the change in worldview um spiritually just like consciously your change in worldview to to be able to allow yourself and to open up and follow this path mm. So I don't know how much you want to get into it at this time, um, but 
I would like to ask you, like, how does your change in worldview allow you um, and empower you to do this type of work? Because I, I know personally me, like when I started the podcast, I always tell this story. But when I started the podcast, I was questioning. I was firm in my faith, but I was questioning. Right. And I wanted to have conversations and I wanted to test my faith. And mm-hmm. I never thought that I would go away from my faith, right, as a Christian. But as I opened myself up to new information, I had to be intellectually honest about what I thought I believed, what was taught to me, how I was indoctrinated versus what what is actually true, what is factual, or what other information was I ignoring the whole time because of my confirmation bias. So as you, you know, as you expanded your consciousness how did that help you follow the path that you're on right now i think it's necessary yeah because um if i didn't expand my consciousness i would have stopped where my religious views told me to stop and that was the issue with my basically my my whole life was just like stopping asking questions Mm. stopping this process of thinking that um that I've always had, but there was always a scripture that kept me from it. You know what I mean? There was always an ideal that kept me from going on, you know, whether it was sin or hell or ideals about what, what right and wrong is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so just having this, um, this um, paradigm shift. And it, and it was crazy because this is, I, I tell everybody that, that, that will listen you have to be on a on a path of personal development and growth mm-hmm. in order to go through these paradigm shifts and um, not be fully injured to where you can't repair yourself. Yeah. Because people don't change just uh, just on their own, like really, like <laughs> like scientifically, we change because something horrible happens or some kind of huge change in our life happens. Right. Or either you're already on the path of moving forward. So that was where, where me and you were at at that time was like, we're already on the path of moving forward. So why not keep on growing in all these areas of our life? And uh, to be honest, the pain that I endured um, with this paradigm shift, I felt alone. For, for a lot of it, but mm-hmm. but the fact that, that I had, like, you, um, you were a huge part of, of being okay with, um, with the pain that I, that I, the con, the conflict that I had inside, right. and the fact that so many people, uh, from family to friends, didn't like my transition. Mm-hmm. So, E, I mean, like, <laughs> you were hu- huge, you kind of led, led in that area. I mean, it was, it was mutual, though. Like, we had each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I couldn't have, I couldn't have done it on my own. At least the, I think, I mean, we both went through our, our stages of like feeling lonely throughout the process because that's natural. Mm-hmm. Cause like mm-hmm. we can only talk on the phone or kick it for so long. Eventually you're going to be by yourself, you know, and then you just got to deal with it. Right. Um, you gotta, you have to tell your family, tell your, your, your significant other, whoever it is, you know, it's like there's life and we were in the church and we didn't just go to church. Like we active parts active. Like we believed it. We did Christian hip hop. Like we, we really lived it. We believed that every word of that book and, and we taught other people like we, we went hard. Mm -hmm. And so when that's fully ingrained, like that is your culture. 
Sometimes church is people's culture. It and is. so you not only give up your your sense of spirituality or pivot from your sense of spirituality, you also pivot from your whole cultural social setting. And you got to rebuild that. And and somebody was telling me this um uh they 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 were like man it's it, I think there was um some arguments about um they didn't understand why um, Christians, like white Christians, were still being racist, you know. And 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 uh, how much how much time you got there, buddy? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, because um, with within you know the system I call systemic whiteness, they've they've uh, basically taken over all these different areas from religion to. Um, you know, you talked about the nine areas of people. economics, activity. education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex and war. Yes. And so within that, <laughs> you're actually they've in, they they create this dichotomy where you're, you actually choose religion over your people. It's 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 like that's what it is like. Um, and. And for us, it doesn't serve us. Right. For for white folks, it does serve them because their religion and the way that they see it, mm-hmm. it serves them. It actually helps to support the system of white supremacy. Right. For us, it hinders our ability to connect with each other. We're still fighting about different um, denominations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, Baptists won't mess with Methodists or whatever, whatever, whatever. So if, if, if that's the issue, what if you go even further out, like, Christian versus Muslim or Christian versus, uh, you know, a person who just is spiritual or so there's just so many divisions within um, black, black folks and brown folks. And and then they're just like, yo, I I don't care. I got (laughs) I got the system working for me, baby. It's it's good. So when I guess to answer your original question, though, it's like it was necessary for me to um, go through that pain of opening up my my worldview and paradigm or I wouldn't ask these questions I wouldn't keep going I wouldn't keep um trying to see why culture is not infused why white supremacy is ignored uh why um when we talk about these things we're talking about them typically from a eurocentric or white lens and mm-hmm. instead of an african or melanated lens so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have done it without without changing my paradigm Man, that's heavy. That's heavy, bro. And as you as you change your paradigm, it, it you know I know personally it allows you to think differently and be creative in different ways. And yes. so you and I, we was cooking up at the same time um, as we were changing our worldview, changing our philosophy, and kind of on our entrepreneurial path of you know teaching what everything that we've learned, all the books that we consumed over the past you know five, six, seven eight years, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so that leads us to navigating whiteness. You not only have an ebook, but you teach a course on it. So for those that don't know what navigating whiteness is, please inform them. Man. Um, yeah, that, that, that was crazy. Cause I was like, this is the first piece I felt like of cultural, emotional intelligence. And I know people, at the time, they were like, "Yo, why do you keep talking about white people? Why do you keep worrying about like systemic whiteness? Why did? Right. Why is that so important?" That's because uh, I just realized that we don't 
start at zero, we start at white. Mm. And when I realized that, I was like, we have to put that on the table first. Because otherwise, you're just going to move and you're going to end up supporting the system by default. Mm. And so um, that course, Navigating Whiteness, really um, was was part of the process that I went through of like um, leaving whiteness in my mind. When you say start at white, though, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, what is what is what's an example like of starting at white as opposed to thinking you're just starting at ground zero? That, that I mean, that that was a paradigm shift. What I just mm-hmm. told you. So even though I said it in a sentence, like it might take people years to understand exactly what that means. Yeah. From, from let's say if you believe that the world has been around and people have been around for 150, 200,000 years, mm-hmm. from 200,000 uh, BC to 1400s, we've uh, uh, the the world has operated in tribe and in nation. And each individual group and culture has specifically to the to the best of their ability operated in order to support their culture, their people uh, and pass those customs, those beliefs, those traditions down to the next generation for their survival. Mm -hmm. From 1400 till now, we have a system of systemic whiteness and race. So everything that we see do think act and speech uh, speech uh ideals are corrupted it's, it's kind of like when you get a virus in your computer it doesn't matter that it's only you know it's it starts you know and it, as a small you know everything a couple things stop working and then you just ignore it and then you end up corrupting the whole file and now you gotta like get your whole uh your, your, everything has to be rebooted mm-hmm. and that's the same thing for us like as 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 black uh as black people we have to um start over that, we have reboot, to start over. that reboot is scary people are scared to reboot i get it too but yeah it's necessary though yeah it's ne- i mean if you want to be free if you want different outcomes it's gonna have to be a lot of work yeah and so in the course, though, we talked about what whiteness is or systemic whiteness is, mm-hmm. why whiteness is, right? The why to white supremacy and then how it's how it's expressed uh, both on a personal and professional level. So those were that was the, what I worked on and uh, I continue to, to, to keep making it better and better. People love that course. Um, Word. Yeah. What is whiteness? OK, so um, how I defined it. Through all my research, um, whiteness is not a color, it's not a race, and it's not an ethnicity. It's a social position which can only be attained by being non-melanated, Caucasian, European, whatever you want to use, and upholding the systems of white supremacy, either consciously or subconsciously. So these two criteria have to be in place at this particular time in order for you to be white. You have to be either non-melanated or Caucasian and uphold the systems of white supremacy, either consciously or subconsciously. And so um, that can change because they can change. But for now, that, 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 that has been um, my understanding, and I've broken that down to where people can actually understand, like, oh, okay, like, this is why 
before the Irish were not white, but now they are white. This is why, you know, based off of their support or upholding um, the uh, systems of white supremacy. And, and, a, and a caveat to that is people that are European can, in my in, in how I define it, they can also not be white. Um, see, see that, see that is where we differ, my brother. But we yeah. not, we not gonna do that right now. Yeah. yeah. But tell me, but tell me why. Tell us why you come to that right. conclusion. How a white person <laughs> cannot be white, according to okay. your definition of whiteness. So, according to my definition, is that they can be Caucasian or European, and consciously or subconsciously not uphold the systems of white supremacy. And I use some examples of different different European groups. Some of them during the during the time of uh, you know slavery, mm-hmm. who actually went against the system. Some were like the Quakers. Um, there are other groups that that um, went against the systems of white supremacy. Not necessarily because they just loved us, but because they just weren't <laughs> in alignment with the system of white supremacy. Mm. So what I'm saying is that even though they might be recognized as white, um, they, their identity wasn't white. Mm. Just like there's Eastern Europeans and other types of Europeans that don't, they don't even operate within the system of white supremacy. Um, and you would look at them and, and see the phenotype, but their culture, their beliefs, their traditions, their, their thoughts and speech don't necessarily align with the system. And, and they um, actually might be are opposed in, in many ways. I can kind of see. I guess I, I will respectfully push back. I, I can kind of see, though, where what you, what you're saying and like how you come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in a sense, I could I could understand it as. The Russians. The way that they're operating and their political ideology, like anybody that's communist, the so-called Western powers are typically against them, mm-hmm. even if they got the white, you know, European phenotype and the white skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand what you're saying from that standpoint. I would still say they do have the privilege of being white because they could come to America and blend in if they want to. Yeah. Yeah, and at that moment when they uphold the system of white supremacy, then they would be white. But what I'm what I'm saying is, they don't even have to actively do anything. They could just show up and receive their privileges. It's not like they're gonna show up and get like a land grant, you know, from the government be like, no, 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 no. Give it to the, the Negro. They'll be like, Oh, okay. Th- thank you. <laughs> you know, like, I would, I, and unless Do I would accent again, please. No, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. That. So <laughs> sorry. No. I, I, I apologize to the, Do this. No, <laughs> to the Eastern European. That's a terrible accent, but I'm just saying like they would, I feel like they would have to like do something extremely revolutionary to consciously, not be like they would have to try so hard mm. to not be white because everything would just be given. So when things are given to you, you're just naturally going to receive it, mm. especially if you don't even know the politics of America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I just I was I was trying to help people answer that question because mm-hmm. even when you're doing your course, know your enemy. Mm-hmm. Don't we have some kind of uh, misinformation or miseducation of who we actually are fighting against? Because cer- uh, certain people yeah. think that certain people think that yeah. like okay, it's it's only the KKK that we're fighting. Right, against. right, right. Or it's yeah. only uh, it's only the conservatives. Right. It's not the liberals and it's right. not this. And, and so you can't concentrate any of your effort because you're so confused and it's not your fault. Oh, because, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because whiteness is confusing because they literally because race, renamed themselves. Yeah. they And, and then reinforced it with power. And it, it expands and it changes. Like you said, it, it changes. It adapts over time. It expands. Like you said, the Irish became white, the Polish, the Italians, like anybody that was not a Nordic, you know, um, British Dutch, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the rich Spanish, whatever, who, the original uh, colonizers, if you weren't them, then you didn't get the privilege. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And so it does, it does expand over time. So yeah, I guess to that point, you know, know your enemy, it, it, it teaches, I, I do teach from more of a, a systematic standpoint, but you know, I used, I, I just default to Neely Fuller's definition of white. Okay. So it's anybody that has white skin um, that identifies as white or has been identified as white and operates in the world as white, and then anybody else that does does not have a white designation is non-white. And essentially, there's only truly, according to Nilly Fuller's definition, two races because he likes to simplify it. Right? He doesn't want to have too much confusion, um, and he talks about the other colors: tan, yellow, red, black, whatever of mm-hmm. of people. But it's like for a simplification purpose, it's just white and non-white in this world. And that's how white supremacy works. You either one of them or you're not. Yeah. And you're either in or out. You're the you're the in or out. And and that's pretty much all that matters to them. And we have to understand the patterns of thought, speech and action and emotional response and symbol formation that kind of aid in the bet the system of white supremacy. And we have to divorce ourselves from those patterns. And from those things that we know that are just going to fortify the system. Yes. And so that's what I that's what I try to impress upon people like know exactly what you're up against, know how it works so that you know how to counter it. But a lot of people, like you said, they don't know what to counter. But I think it's tight, though, if you really think about both of our like we're different people. Mm -hmm. We're attacking the system on different levels. I'm doing it more on like a people people level or a Mm -hmm. personal individual level or social, you know. And you're t- attacking it on a systemic level. Yeah. And so I, I just think that that's, that's dope. It's necessary. And it's like, and, and everybody, when it comes to fighting the so-called system of white supremacy, like we all have to use our talents, you know, like whatever, whatever um, talent and whatever message um, that the creator gave us, that he, he or she, that they gave us, created in us, like we are marked and stamped to do a certain thing. Yeah. You know, in our life. And I think one of the thing that bonds, one of the things that bonds us together is like, we both go for like what we know to be true and what we know yeah. to be right. And we're going to go full force. We're not going to hold back, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, it's been dope to be on this journey with you and just like, likewise, our, our lives changing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just blossoming. Um, it's, it's beautiful, bro. So, and I think people need to know that, it's it's okay to disagree because we 
we don't agree on a, a lot of different things. And even when mm-hmm. we're talking about our philosophy for what what systemic whiteness is and isn't, mm-hmm. um, we have different philosophies. Oh yeah, but we can still rock, and that's one of the things that's going to be necessary. It has to happen because we're not going to all agree, and we're not going to get consensus for all black people to to understand the same things in the same way. And black folks, like we just have to have a code of conduct. You know what I mean? Like we just need to know how to deal with each other and understand that we not going all, just like you said with the religion part, like you said, religion, uh, you know, for, for folks in this white people in the system of white supremacy, like they could be religious or not be religious, but it's like whatever they choose, as long as it aligns with whiteness, regardless of the religion, they're safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. for us, we'd be like, Oh man, you a Hebrew Israelite. So, were you were you on the Hebrews like was was that just me? Well, I I I, I dabbled in the understanding. I was like, oh, this yeah, sounds. It was it was next left. It, it, it was it was it was better than Christianity. It was better. Yeah, it was it was the cultural version of like the black Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So when I was on that, that's and that's when I was just like, I'm done, because it was like, all right, so I'm not Christian no more. But this Hebrew Israelite thing, though, is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. But then as a Hebrew Israelite, with all due respect to my brothers, you know what I mean? But like the way that I understood it and the way that it lived in me was like, they not us. And if nobody was like us, nobody was upholding the law, then, dang, we kind of got to distance ourselves from them folks because they, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like they ain't, they ain't got it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wait. We don't have the luxury of <laughs> separating ourselves and being divided yeah. in any form or fashion in this system, yeah. the way that it presently stands and, you know, is just on autopilot. Like, nah, we got to put that stuff to the side and come together and stop pointing fingers and like categorizing all these different people, these different types of ways. And it's like, nah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And Afri- for me, for me, it's not going to work. And Africans, I believe, like when I study, um, history africans have always had that uh, understanding of mm-hmm. um of putting our people before our spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. like you can have mo- whatever you can have multiple spiritual beliefs even when they're talking about you know mansa musa and many of the um you know when when uh, islam was adopted in west africa mm. um many many of the um people still practice some of their uh, ancient spirituality practices and Islam. they was like whatever works we're gonna do this we're gonna pray this god who allah okay hey allah uh who buddha okay right. yeah. they was like nah whoever whoever can help me out right you know but they still they still put their people first that's oh yeah that's saying. a fact that's a fact yeah that's a whole fact um before we get into this rapid fire bro tell us about black flame yoga that's popping okay. off in the city um folks need to know about what you got going on man black flame yeah uh, wow i mean Started from, started from back pain, and then, and then morphed into something beautiful. Back pain, the black flame. Oh, okay, yeah. Back pain, the black yeah. Uh. Nah. Um. But uh. But yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's how it started. So you know, I was. People kept telling me, um, from my doctors to, to other people that like you know, man, you need to go to hot yoga. I mm. went to hot yoga. And I was like, man, I like this, but there's nobody that looks like me in here. <laughs> and I feel like, get out. <laughs> I'm like, these white folks are different. And they be looking at me like, this is an exclusive white club that only they can sweat in. And I'm just like, 
I don't even know if I can sweat in your area. This sign said white sweat on here. <laughs> bro, this, oh, this, this, this man. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know if I can take my shirt off. I was like, man, they might mess around and get my DNA or something. Man, what is going on in here? Why are they looking at me? Why? Is everybody looking at me right now? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. really, bro? It was, it was not that great, bro. Um, Dang. And so I was like, uh, I talked to. Gotta do something about that. I talked to my, um, my baseball coach, who happens to be a European, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you playing baseball right now, or what's going on? <laughs> and I mean, he 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 owned a studio, and he said, "Hey, man, like for real, like I I want you to be able to." Um, to have something, if you can get black folks uh, here, you know, I'll I'll step away. I, you know, you can have the space. Um, you can have uh, yoga. I already have a black yoga instructor who might want to connect with you. Um, if you can get the people, you can do it. Like, you can do it however you want to do it. I said, for real? For how much, though? For the free. Oh, okay, okay. He don't, he don't charge you. Doesn't charge me. Mm. So he said, you know, he, he basically said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. If you can get uh, the folks, I'll give you the space. Mm. So I was like, that sounds kind of cool. And so I, I connected with his, uh, one of his um, uh, employees, a black, black uh, yoga instructor named Ami, who's super dope at, <laughs> at yoga. I mean, like her. Uh, she's African, you know, she knows, she knows what she's doing. She knows about the body. And like, we just connected back and forth. And I was like, yo, I, if I want to add a consciousness piece to this though, I don't just want it to be about yoga. I want it to be also about connecting us as, as people in Portland, uh, community building. And I want it to be also building our consciousness so that we can, so that we can attack or not even just attack, but uh, we can build both the mind and the body at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so she was game started with just, just um, us. I would talk about different conscious aspects and then she would teach the class. So um, we would talk for a little bit and then she would teach the yoga part. And so we just week after week, we just start building it up, man. It was just amazing. Like I saw how many uh, black people were just coming and they were saying like, man, this, this is changing my life. Like I never, I never even knew, um, that Portland had something like this, like this could be huge. People are getting excited. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's been a blessing for me too, man. So no, I'm, I'm spoiled, bro, because like I only know of yoga because of black flame and what you, (laughs) what you created. And, um, and I honestly, I was like kind of hesitant. I was like, man, I ain't trying to be in there just like hot sweating, Mm -hmm. just passing. You know, I just, I was just, I had like the worst, case scenario of what could happen mm. you know while while stretching and being in a <laughs> being in a hot room like that bro yeah. but it's yeah it's so relaxing mm-hmm. man and it's just i don't want to say it's kind of intoxicating no go ahead and say it it's it's intoxicating bro like that that feeling of just sweating and stretching and the music and then doing that for an extended period of time it's like dynamic meditation breathing yeah breathing and all that and and once again doing that in a space that's all black and, say that and again Can you say doing that, again? that in a space that's all black in portland in the yes. whitest city in america yes. yes like at least whitest metropolitan city like that's 
that's groundbreaking, bro. It so, um, and I'll say this privately, but I salute you for doing that because that's huge. That. Not it could be huge. It is huge, and it's going to continue to grow um, as time goes on. But yeah, bro, like. So everybody needs to come out. Tell them, you know, what days they can come out and how they can sign up. So Black Flame Yoga is every Saturday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Forge Hot Yoga on Alberta and 13th. Mm-hmm. So, look, like, we have it every 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 Saturday. Y'all need to come out, man, for real, for they real. Come like through. Every Saturday from 6 uh, to 7.30 p.m. You can also sign up on Eventbrite. Um, we're on there. So if you want to make sure you save a spot because uh, spaces are limited. So uh, we want you there, though. And I was just saying this. Um, the There's only consciousness and how we think. Um, our, I would say our our awareness is only open to what we're around. Right. Mm. Our environment. Right. So you can't be aware of what you don't know and what you haven't seen or, or, or thought or felt rooms like black flame yoga. Certain parts of your brain won't even be activated until you come into spaces like that. That's a fact. I've literally witnessed that. I mean, yeah, we've we've witnessed that um, certain parts of your brain, uh, just what comes out, you know, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally. It's different. Mm-hmm. So y'all, y'all got to pull up for real, for real. So let's get into the rapid fire as, as time is waning on us, bro. Okay. So um, got a few questions. Don't think too hard about it. First thing that comes to your mind, all right? Mm-hmm. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> a marine biologist. Dang. And your major in college was what? Fish and wildlife. Man. <laughs> That's crazy. So how old did you know that you wanted to be a marine biologist? How old? I was like. Nine? Yeah. Nine or 11 or something. That's dope. Something like that. That's dope. Yeah. Um, best advice you've ever received? Dang. These are deep questions for rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> best advice? Yeah. First thing that comes to your mind. You don't, you don't got to be oh like definitively the best, but like, let's. Um, if we need to come back, we can come dang. back. Come back to it. Come back. Worst advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh! The worst advice I've ever received was um, that you need to know God before you know yourself. <laughs> that is literally <laughs> the worst <laughs> advice. <laughs> that's some churchy stuff right there. Oh man, yeah. that's too funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seahawks or 49ers? Oh, 49ers! Come on, come on! My bad. I, I just had to come say on, how- man. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know. I've been, you know. You you've been changing by night. You you've Man. been changing. You know what I mean. So I just gotta see how oh, how solid God. you you gonna be in certain areas. This is a tough one though. Colin Kaepernick or Jimmy Garoppolo? Who you who you oh, take? I'm going with Jimmy. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I don't hate Jimmy like you hate Jimmy, bro. No, I I mean Jimmy is who I would pick Jimmy too. So I'm not I'm not oh, I'm there. I'm right there with you. Because you had a certain amount of hate for Colin. I wouldn't At say I had a certain time. amount of hate. Yeah, you did, bro. You left well, him so quickly because because <laughs> like I seen ghost, like <laughs> because I seen his potential, his ceiling. Oh. He reached his ceiling so quickly, and when <laughs> when he stopped, I was like, "Oh, it's over. That's it. That's all we gonna get from Colin." 
So, you know, Jimmy definitely, I'll take Jimmy. Yeah. As well. Um, this down this this gonna be these next two gonna be tough. If you had to choose out of MLK, Marcus Garvey, or Malcolm X to be your life coach, you can only choose one of them three. MLK, mm-hmm. Marcus Garvey, or Malcolm X, who would it be and why? Gonna consult you. You can consult them at any time throughout Dang. your life. Only one of them, though. Dang. It would be between Malcolm X and Marcus, but I gotta see. Mm. Um, I think I think it would be uh, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus Garvey. There's no correct answer, but I I'm definitely going with Marcus as well. Man, but I I just want I want Malcolm though for my for my uh. <laughs> Just to give me power, like yeah, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. No, nah, you you can expand on that. I was just thinking because I was like, I was like, I was like, Malcolm, I I would need him for cultural emotional intelligence mm. because he knows how to think and speak clearly and connect um, emotionally Facts. with with the highest power structure in the world without getting frazzled. Mm. I'm like, how do you do that? Interview after interview. Wow, people are getting shot and you know hosed and beat. Man. So, yeah. but then I thought about Marcus Garvey, his his expansive understanding of the world. Yeah, I felt like that. I'm gonna need what he need what he has for for all life. Yeah, facts, facts. Um, one more of those like that. If you had to choose from John Henry Clark, mm. Francis Cress Wilson. And Amos Wilson. Dang. <laughs> you gonna make me choose? For your life coach, you can only choose one. Who would it be and why? Once again, John Henry Clark, Francis Crest Wilson, and Amos Wilson. I have to say Amos. Mm. And Amos, we pray, bro. Mm. <laughs> He's the one of the ancestors. And and I love Francis Crest, but I was just thinking, I was like, Amos. Is gonna tell me the hardest possible truths. <laughs> that's a fact. In the cleanest way. Man, that's a tough one for me, bro. Like, that is tough. It's tough. I, I just wish, I wish Amos lived a little bit longer. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. rest in peace. I don't I don't even know how he, you know, what what he passed from, but he was he was relatively young when he passed. Like he like wasn't 55, 60 I don't think he was that old, bro. Uh. Amos was a he seemed young, man. I don't know. But um so I I do lean towards Francis. Just because her work has impacted me so much. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm um mm-hmm. and it's something about getting advice from a black woman that's just like confirming like nurturing and you yes, know what i mean yes how she teaches too yeah mm-hmm. yeah man so i would lean toward francis crest but amos wilson is a close second easily easily um three month fully financed sabbatical where are you going dang I'm going to, because it's fully financed, I'm going to Ghana and Tanzania mm. within that. 
Tanzania. Why, why are you going Because there? I want to find someone who is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, really, like, um, I, I want to go to West Africa because I at least believe that that's where my roots are. Mm-hmm. I do need to go do the yeah. ancestry. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I want, I, I really want to get um, deeper into more African culture in Africa. Yeah. I dig that. Three more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if racism ended tonight, how do you think the world would change? Oh my gosh. Um, people, nature would start to reset again. Mm. Like <laughs> literally like the effect that, um, racism, white supremacy has on the environment is toxic. Yeah. Uh, and I think that relationship dynamics would change mm-hmm. like instantly. Um, I think that people would be more authentic, even if it was, even if it seemed to be abrasive, mm. you wouldn't be able to come into somebody else's culture without giving the proper respect. Mm. That's a fact. And you would, and you're not guaranteed to, to, to be able to get up in somebody's culture. So, there's going to be, uh, there would be a building process of just continual, um, continual uh, relationship dynamics that, that would grow. And I think, I think it would af- also affect nature. Like people would start going back to their tribal roots in um, a basic le- way of life that's more sustainable. Right. I think that, th- I think those things would happen. The relationship dynamics would change. And the relationship with, with nature would change. Yeah. Man, that's heavy. If you woke up tomorrow and realized that you won the lottery for $100 million, oh how would you spend your time and your money from that day forward? Wow. I would, um, I would of course, save some money. Mm-hmm. I would. Um, Got 100 mil now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I make sure that I had enough for. Uh, to say, then I would um, be working programs for black folks. I would start mentoring a whole bunch of black folks so that they could create uh, wealth. And I would find the right folks. Wouldn't just pick anybody, mm-hmm. but I'd pick black people that, that show promise and I'd build them up so that we could build a strong community. And I would be, man, there's so many things that I would do. Um, I'm a flash. I will flash. <laughs> what you mean? Bro? I mean, I will have, I will have everything that I did not have, bro. I will have. You gonna let, co- let folks know. Yeah. <laughs> like the, 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 the cars, mm-hmm. the house, the boats. I will have all those things. Word. I dig that. Last question. Um, you won't be here to enjoy it, but what message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Hmm. That I love my people. Yep. Simply put. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Bro. 
Appreciate you as always, bro. Um, sir. Let the folks know how how they can get a hold of you, your website, your socials, all that good stuff. You guys can go to uh, navigatingwhiteness.com if you want to go on my uh, website and get the free ebook. Definitely suggest that every melanated person gets that ebook. Uh, you can check me out, Emmanuel Solomon03 uh, on uh, IG, or you can go to Emmanuel Solomon on Facebook. Facts, facts. And if you want to follow the podcast, follow us on Instagram at Socks and Sandals Podcast. Um, Follow us on YouTube, Socks and Sandals Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at SXSNDLS. Um, and you can follow my personal page on Instagram, EmmanuelWilliams.co. And that is also my website, EmmanuelWilliams.co. So tap in, check us out. And um, if you have not given a review on iTunes, give us that five stars. Give us a review. All of that goes a long way. All right. So once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next time. Grace and peace. Peace.